Welcome to Marsha's Plate, a black trans-inclusive feminist podcast. A place where we know that not everybody is invited to the cookout. And we also know that every single day is a brand new day and we have the power to make a difference today. So let's do this. Brand new day, brand new day, make it better than yesterday. You can always find a way to turn it all around again. It's a new day, brand new day, make it better than yesterday. You can always find a way to start over again. When the sunrise, you can You can make it better than yesterday. A new day, it's a new day. New day, there's a way. You can turn it around. Trust me, there's a way out. There's more time. Just don't give up. When the sunrise, you can You can hashtag Marsha's Plate. You can follow us on most social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of that. Just search for Marsha's Plate, M-A-R-S-H-A-S-P-L-A-T-E. Y'all ready? Let's get started. Hey, what's up, y'all? Hey. Hey. Peace, 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 peace. Oh, I'm so excited to see y'all. I've been traveling some. I just got back home from New York. I, I went up oh. there and visited Stonewall for, you know, this is like the umpteenth time that I've been up there. But mm-hmm. it's always, they always have some renovations that they've done to the place. And I love just the, the idea of them upgrading it and keeping it pristine mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and respecting it as the um, the historic place that it is so mm-hmm. that's where i just come from what's been going on with y'all wow there was i was supposed to go to a ball in dallas they were having a ball um for my my house member he was throwing one um the house of prodigy and i decided not to go because i wasn't ready but i did just decided to do like some some self-care instead so self-care is picked me oh yeah i picked me over it but that's kind of what i'm doing mm. what about you lj how's my week it was pretty chill it was pretty chill i'm you know uh keeping it low-key i'm like in between jobs so it's just you know just kind of navigating all of that that field but uh yeah you know i heard back from some people it's pretty cool so mm. just doing that <laughs> not doing too much <laughs> that's good but yeah no i'm good i'm good have y'all seen this Laverne Cox uh, Barbie doll? Like I was just minding my black business and then was like, oh, Barbie dolls. Um, so yeah, but did y'all see that? I have seen, seen it. it. I saw about it on Twitter, so I didn't really like get into looking. I was like, oh, that's interesting, you know? <laughs> but I, I just saw a picture, yeah. Do you think that this is uh, Mattel's way of being performative and like you know like the rest of the corporations which we'll get into later on like the rest of the corporations they're doing they're like oh we are you know lgbt allies let's see what kind of thing that we can do this year to show it do you think that's what mattel is doing i'm sure that's i know that's a part of it <laughs> okay because they're like oh there's a market to make money yeah <laughs> absolutely a market to make money 
I think it's a good marketing strategy. Like as far as like pride coming up mm. and her releasing her, her Barbie doll. I think that is beautiful. When I first thought of it, I was like, oh my gosh, like how a lot of women talk about like that, the, the Barbie that was made, like the original Barbie and like how mm. it's shaped and stuff. And you know how people like kind of say, oh, I want to be like Barbie. I want to be like this exaggerated form of a, of something that's plastic, you know what I mean? And seeing her, yeah, <laughs> Barbie, like seeing that it doesn't look just like every other one. It get it just it's a trans Barbie. I thought it was beautiful, like a beautiful representation, especially for the youth, like the trans youth, or just for youth in general, just to see something different than just like the same thing. No, Barbie kind of is. You know, Barbie she's a problematic figure in feminism. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, that's why they had to come out with like the yeah. Barbie and teacher Barbie because folks were like, girl, what? <laughs> yeah, I know they kind of uh, have shifted their brand. But, to, you know, yeah. it was it was, you know, Barbie is definitely rooted in the male gaze and definitely rooted in yes. especially early on in, you know, these very high feminine ideals particularly Unreal, white unrealistic uh, yes unrealistic uh, ideals that, <laughs> that a lot of us cannot live up to and then of course over the years they have shifted their idea in uh, you know in expanding they got a thicker they had a thicker yeah. more voluptuous barbie one time of course oh. of course you know with ebony when we were in the 80s <laughs> i think it was in the 80s or maybe but even Christy. Um, what was the black one? The very first Christy, black one. I think her name was Ebony. Was it Christy or Ebony? I think there's a Christiana. <laughs> this is out of your age, range. <laughs> I think there's a Christiana <laughs> Ebony. I mean, you know, I wasn't a Barbie girl, you know, being the trans person that I am. But even though I'm very flamboyant, wasn't no Barbie girl. But uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. no, 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 no. But I think there was a Christy. I do. I don't know if there was an Ebony. Um, I don't remember Ebony. Yeah, but I know there was a but black yeah, they had that a black came Barbie. out. Yeah. yeah. In the 1960s, there were three black fashion dolls from Mattel. Colored Frances in 1967, Christy in 1968, and Julia in 1969, fashioned after Nurse Julia, which is Diane Carroll's iconic role of the same name, which was an iconic role because it was the first time a black woman had led a primetime series on television. Shout out to Diane Carroll. In 1978, Mattel hired Kitty Black Perkins, and I found a clip of her talking about her position. I created the first, very first Black Barbie, and she was so different from Barbie, which was the intent, because I wanted her to have her own personality. I gave her a short natural. Uh, I gave her a slim silhouette instead of the full ball gown that Barbie usually had. Um, I gave her, um, she was mainly in primary colors instead of the fantasy pinks and blues and that kind of thing. So she really had her own personality. She was named Barbie and I named her that because I wanted her to be associated with the Barbie group, but I did not want her to um, have Barbie's personality or Barbie's look or anything about her that was Barbie, Um, but just attaching the black Barbie name to her, then sales 
really took off for that. Um, when I started um, the first 10 years um, at Mattel, uh, it was just me, just one Afro-American designer. And uh, when I was in a position where I could hire uh, designers, um, I hired two. I find that there's a lot about um, Afro-Americans that's not spoken about and a lot that uh, the kids really need to know about. Uh, almost in every aspect of our lives, there has been blacks involved. Inventions, things that, that we didn't get credit for. Like when I started at Mattel, um, I was the first black designer. And um, as I look back on it now, that was huge. So they made various versions of the Black Barbie as the years went on past the first one. And she had many different looks. She adjusted for the 80s. She adjusted for activity. So many different versions of the Black Barbie. And she continues to this day. So it's only fitting that in this time of trans visibility that we would have a trans Barbie fashioned after one of our trans celebrities, Laverne Cox. And I'm happy for it. And pride capitalism bested me again because I actually bought it because just to support and because it matches my home decor. So why not? <laughs> They kind of extend, extended their, um, you know, their brand to be more inclusive. And I think this is just multicultural. <laughs> and I think this is one of the, um, this is, this is another expansion of that to be more inclusive, to use um, Laverne in that kind of way, which I think is beautiful. Um, I think it's a beautiful thing. I think that um, it's history making. But I don't mm -hmm. know if it's, um, I don't know. I don't want to say that, but I, I it's, it's history making, but it's, I don't know if, if it's both in, I feel like, you know, it's like, it's cool that there's a Barbie because for some folks that feels affirming, that's great. But also Barbie is, Bar like you said, Barbie got a, got a, um, a weird um, history. The receipts Absolutely. are the best. <laughs> so. So speaking of like Stonewall and groundbreaking things like this, let's talk about Pride because this is the first episode in this year's Pride Month. So uh, I want to hear, you know, y'all have been living in y'all truth for, you know, you know, a long time now. So how has Pride shifted in your mind? How has it been more affirming? What is some of the great things about Pride that has sustained over the years for y'all? I'll say for me, uh, being from the Midwest, I will say that the pride, the way it's structured where I'm from is very, it's like a three-day thing on, on festival grounds. It's not kind of like the big parade and just mm. the bars. It's a, it's a we, have, uh, from, we have a lot of like ethnic festivals. So it's like Polish Fest, this special Pride Fest is one of those things too. Mm. So in many ways, it's like a reunion kind of vibe for me, right? And they usually have good music. This year, I think it's Martha Wash and Frenchie Davis. I've seen Shaka Khan, Come on, Martha Wash. Fantasia, and Vogue, RuPaul, when 
you know, uh, Drag Race first came out. So, like, for me, it's related to nostalgia and mm-hmm. um, how it's changed over the years because that's my main point of reference. Once I left home, I realized most people don't do Pride like that. <laughs> so, I was well, like, how, well, what differences have you seen? How are they doing Pride in the, your new location? Um, I will say it's more, uh, there's a lot of different prides. First of all, there's like way more prides. So, Mm -hmm. but then, um, on top of that, there is like, you know, there's like an event at the park. There's like different locations. That's mainly the big thing that's different Mm -hmm. versus like everything is in one location. You got an area for vendors. You got an area for the entertainment. Everybody's buying $10 alcohol minimum, (laughs) you know, like everything's expensive, you know? So, so uh, it's more like a festival kind of fair kind of vibe Mm -hmm. versus, you know, uh, where I am now and what I've seen in other parts of the country, it seems to be, oh, there's an event at the club. There's an event at the park. There's a parade. There's, but it's like different locations around the area. So that's the, that's the main difference. What about you, Mia? You know, you grew up in Texas, you grew up in Waco and then you moved to Houston. And so how has that pride experience been for you? Um, okay. So being from Waco, which is a really small city, um, we didn't even have like gay clubs there. So I think the only gay club we had was like a, like a little hole in the wall. So like you didn't get like a hole in the wall. So um, my first gay pride was actually Splash. And uh, well, yeah, what is Splash? Splash is the black gay pride of Houston. It's a different time, (laughs) but it's organized by the black folks. And it's really, um, it used to be revolved around um, Kappa Beach Party. You remember they used to have that Mm -hmm. in Galveston? Mm -hmm. It used to be kind of coincided with those things. And Mm -hmm. so it would be Splash, Kappa Beach Party. It used to be, it's like, I don't know, it was was the heyday of Houston when um, it was just events like that. My bad. I just want to say real quick, another big difference where I'm at now, they have a larger black pride. So that's another big difference. So when you said pride, my brain went to like the pride, you know, like I said, I'm used to three day festival. Boom. Like the festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. mm -hmm. But where I am now, you know, with the multiple prides, they do have a big pride, black pride, which is a nice difference. So, Mm. yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I just, I remember it being so much fun. I remember, um, just everybody coming together, being fam- like family, like mm. um, the, I guess the first pride festival, uh, festival that I went to um, was with Z and which, which is my boyfriend. And um, before um, we went, he didn't have top surgery. So he like some of the like AFAB people would walk around with their, their um, shirts off. And it was a really proud moment for him. Cause I knew that was something that was really uncomfortable for him. So that I, mm-hmm. I, like especially with somebody somebody that experiences gender dysphoria at a high rate, I was like, oh my god, I can't believe you're doing that. <laughs> and it it just he was it was so brave to me because I knew that he had just as much dysphoria as I did, and I will never forget that because that, that it took a lot of courage. Um, and then also they had like um, a history a history section, like um, a little tent where they um, talked about the different um, types of history, like. Um, transgender history and and gay history so i thought that was beautiful also 
For me, it's just it's always been a time where we can be unapologetic about how we show up in the world. We can say we can see other people that are like us or um, similar to us, and we can be proud of. We can celebrate it, and this is a time to celebrate that identity unapologetically. And we're not talking about identity in the sense of everybody being trans or everybody being gay, everybody being whatever. We're talking about all gender nonconforming people who kind of. Um, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, have thrown away the ideas that cis heteronormativity is the uh, is the norm and is yeah. the standard. We, we we are proud to be what we are, and um, you know, standing with community and standing even w- alone. Um, but but it's much much better with community. We yes. um we we can say. I'm proud. I don't have to hide in the closet. I don't have to be in the closet. Look, you, me too, just like you. <laughs> we we are in this together, and we we gone are the days where we have to be ashamed of who we are and what we are and listen, how we navigate the world. Listen, pride, pride. Some of the early prides I used to go to, I used to sneak out when I was in high school. And I remember the first time I was like, Mom, I'm going to Pride. Oh, no, I don't want you going to Pride Fest. So I sneak out. You know, I'm like, I'm going to the mall or something. You know what? <laughs> Go down to Pride Fest. But then also feeling like I had to sneak in because of the protesters, right? Because this is still Fred Phelps was still alive out here with all these signs and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, you want to make sure you didn't have a TV camera see you sneaking in. And that compared to now, like you said, like the changes, right? Like it's just a totally different energy right um a totally different vibe and the knowledge and just general awareness around lgbt people trans folks queer folks gay folks is just totally different than it was in like 1998 so you know absolutely as a podcast you know we've been around for almost five years five years will be in october and um you know both of y'all me particularly as a person who created it and mia you've been here from the from the creation and then lj you've been uh, you were a listener and then you transitioned to be a part of the host so we all are coming from different perspectives in in that regards um we build a community here we build a community of people we build a community of people who are educating each other and going back and forth with ideas there's tons of listeners who don't agree with something one of us says that we can go back and forth in the comments and we get on twitter on instagram (laughs) whatever and it builds the education and the understanding of so many different things um even even if i still at the end of the conversation don't agree with what they're talking about i still learn their perspective and i think that's powerful as well and so um uh, i want to talk about the the community that we have built and kind of give our reflection on how that community has been built and so um for me what the, I really love my podcast community, like all the people who I have worked with in in this field in this past five years, um, they make me feel proud to be a part of this new medium. You know, radio is not new, audio is not new, but right. this kind of online podcasting um, medium, it makes me feel proud that that we have some people out here with integrity that are that care about what we put out there, that care about not putting out misinformation because we know that misinformation fuels hate it fuels um you know people not being educated about subjects and you know it can actually lead to you know on extreme levels it can lead to mass shootings it can lead to murders it can lead to crazy stuff like that but on a you know on a uh smaller level it can just in just lead to somebody not knowing something that 
we think is obvious. And here we are creating content that is educating. And so I love that all the people that I, anybody who I've been on the guest as their show, people who have been on our show as guests, I think um, I'm proud that of the people that I have worked with in, mm-hmm. in this space. And so I want to talk about some of the reviews that we have gotten in the past six months in this, in this year. And so I want to read some of them. And, um, and I think they really speak to um, what we do on the show. <laughs> this is from Montigue. Um, this is my favorite program to listen to as a trans person. I appreciate the amount of care and effort put into sharing experiences, stories, news, and interviews. While a lot of LGBT news is sad these days, a seed of hope and joy is planted in our hearts, in my heart when I listen to this. Thank you for the work that you do. And to people who donate, definitely consider supporting and becoming a patron of Marsha's Play. I mean, I'm, that just, that just, that's just what it is. So California Daydreaming says, I love this podcast. I found them after listening to an episode of Queer Walk and um, the BBB, which is our collective yes. Black feminist group of podcasts that includes um, Interhole Uprising, um, Tea with Queen and Jay, Queer Walk, um, and Bag Ladies. They listened to the episode last year and I have been hooked ever since. Diamond is like a trans encyclopedia. <laughs> whenever okay. I need <laughs> whenever I need a dose of trans 101, there are and there's um, a no new episodes. I can dive back in past episode and learn something that I didn't even learn from the first time listening to it. Mia stays keeping me laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Stay, she stays saying something funny and something entertaining. And LJ, I ha- LJ, you are a welcomed um, addition to the show. I enjoy listening to you and coming in to your own space as a proud black lesbian. I thank all of your continued effort in educating us all the way from California. Much love. That is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And I'm gonna read one more, one more, one more. This is from Kay Dorothy. This podcast is like a trans for trans hug. Trans women, a trans woman here who sometimes feels alienated by the world. I feel right at home on this podcast. Thank you for your powerful culture shifting work ah, that is yes. so beautiful yes <laughs> so yes. tell me what that make y'all feel and how how do you feel about being a part of this community that we have built with marcia's plate it feels great to me you know it feels good to know i mean as a former listener like you know of the show i can relate to a lot of the reviews that you just read um and was frequently sharing i frequently share trans 101 right like i was just like i was like well, like, to, especially to the gays, not even necessarily straight folk. Okay, but um, listen to but, this. <laughs> okay, yeah, I know you think you know, but you don't. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, it's all love from a loving place, um, lovingly. But um, yeah, no, that's that's dope. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very moved to be a part of uh, this community and, and from this perspective um, as well, in honor. What about you, Mia? I, I just think it's amazing that um, it's it's making people feel better and um, changing the way they view things about being trans. Because I remember there time there was a time where like we didn't have like outlets like this, like we didn't have um, 
we didn't see ourselves anywhere, let alone podcasts or TV and stuff. So especially black trans people. So I think, I think that it's amazing that we're able to, to create this space for other trans people and queer black folks. Yeah. I mean, the, the pod as a listener, the, the show, you know, having, having the show be steady was a part of my regular routine and navigating the world because it is so wild out here in these streets as black trans folks, um, you know, moving to especially a predominantly white place where I am now, you know, it definitely is, uh, has been, I know for a lot of people, affirming to, regardless of where you live, but it's, you know, especially a lot of us deal with a lot of isolation. I mean, it's powerful. Yeah, yeah I think I, to add to that, like I, like being somewhere from Waco where it's in a rural area, sometimes you don't even have contact with other trans people because, yeah. you know, we only represent 1% of the population. So I think I think it's a relief to hear people that are like you that can help you through things like I give our um, I give resources to our podcast to like people who who just start transitioning so they can hear about how what we did in order to transition the loopholes um just a lot of questions unanswered questions so i think that um i think that's amazing for me it's just my my way to get like real connected community connected information out i know when i did a rally in um in march when um governor abbott we 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 live in texas amia um when governor abbott put out that horrible suggestion that we should be criminalizing um parents who support their trans children that was a we were at a rally and there were people coming while we were sitting there just talking about trans experience, having trans kids, trans um, trans kids who um, and their parents there to support us, we had people yelling, "Why are y'all trying to give um, five year old sex changes?" And that's the type of misinformation that I that I think is dangerous. And I'm like, we all know because we're in the community, we know that you can't get a sex change at five years old. Right. You got you can no doctor is doing that. <laughs> that is not true. Uh, you, sex right. changes can only be done to adults. You have to be an adult to be able to make that kind of decision. And so youth, trans youth, under underage youth are not getting sex changes. That is just not what's happening. <laughs> That's ridiculous. And so um, it's, it's those kind of talking points uh, kind of... Uh, just erode at the truth of our of our humanity, the truth of our existence, and it lends itself to people supporting something that they don't know anything about. Oh no, I don't. You know, as a parent, somebody who may not be connected to trans community, and they hear that, oh no, I don't think a five year old should be getting a sex change. Oh no, <laughs> you can say I can see that being a logical thought if they exactly. believe that that was true. And so, us having this platform for me is us to really give a thorough. Um, uh, explanation of some of the confusing concepts and misconceptions that can be out from our perspective as trans people and us as black trans people, <laughs> black trans women and black trans um, gender fluid, gender queer people, mm -hmm. we 
you get what I'm saying? We have a different vantage point that allows us to see at various intersections and see the nuances of the experience enough to be able to explain it. We have the lived experience. And I think that that, is, that lends itself to be a passive education that doesn't yes. have to pressure us, somebody coming up to us saying, oh, will you educate me? Will you educate me? No, you can actually listen passively on your own time to uh, what we have created, content that we have created for you every single week. We do the work to be able to do this so you can learn. And I think we do a good job at that. And so that's what it was all about for me when I started it. And as I've gone on, it it has become this archive, not only of education, but an archive of trans leaders. We've had T.S. Madison. We've had Mm. Raquel. We've had tons of trans men. Monica Roberts. Monica Roberts. We have had so many people um, on this show that are leaders in tech, leaders in music, leaders in so many things when it comes to the trans movement. And so I am proud of the archive that we have created in this past five years. And so that's that's what it's been about to me. So you can have an alternative to the narrative that's being sold to you. So you can, if you really want want to learn about um our life this is what you can this is what you can listen to and that's what it's about for us and that's what i'm proud of that's what gives me pride yes yes. (laughs) absolutely i also want to take a second to acknowledge tony mcdade um who was a black trans man who was killed by uh fatally shot to death by the police in tallahassee florida on May 27th, uh, 2020, so that's a couple of days ago. Um, but his death, well, one just wanna lift up him because and say his name and acknowledge him. His death uh, highlighted the unique challenges and invisibility experienced by many black trans men and trans masculine people, especially in these times where we're dealing with around Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and having to navigate socially transitioning as a target and dealing with all your other stuff that you're dealing with. Uh, but just want to take a moment. You know, we did not forget you, Tony, um, and uh, continue to rest in power. You know what? Totally in with the Tony McDay story, because it happened during the time of George Floyd, yes. George Floyd being killed by the police. We know that um, cisgender black men usually take center stage when we talk about police killings and yes. um, police brutality. But all the time we we always have a black woman black cisgender woman that is being killed around those times when we think about george floyd it was brianna taylor when we think about um was mm-hmm. it alton sterling during that time it was sandra mm-hmm. bland i think yep. it was officer i can't remember exactly which no, one yeah. um but then it was sandra bland so many has happened so many (laughs) murders by police have happened um and so it was interesting to see how those three because it actually was a trans woman that got murdered in around the same the month before in kansas uh, by the police um uh, in in kansas city and so these three things happened a black man george floyd a cis black woman um brianna taylor um tony mcdade if all these happened within the same weeks but there was only one that got the world off their feet (laughs) the cis black man and so that is the and it is not saying that i want to make it very clear it's not saying that that shouldn't have happened but it, it shines a bright ass light of how we center men all the time mm-hmm. even in tragedy we have to center cis men. them cis yeah. men and ignore all the other other ones that have been murdered by police too i mean to your point like i don't think that you know tony mcdade's 
situation would have garnered as much attention if it had not happened at that moment. Exactly. I think that, you know, gave it the, yeah, it, it definitely, uh, yeah, it definitely put it somewhat in the center for some people, but getting people to realize like, oh, oh, that's the thing. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> and the other egregious thing that happened during that, 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 that showed to me is Tony McDade at the time was homeless living on people's couches. Yeah. Like he was, he was, he, in his, in the, before his death, he was going live on Facebook. Yes. So he literally was homeless and, um, and, you know, not having to sleep on people's couches. But when he passed away and they started the GoFundMe that went to his family. Come on, say a thing, call a thing a thing. How? Yeah. The people and it, it they raised two hundred and five thousand dollars. Call a thing a thing, and that went to his family, right? But he was Who sleeping on couches when he was alive. But he was right. sleeping on people's couches. That is crazy to me and frustrating that mm -hmm. we have this moment where everybody is throwing money when you die. But when you are living, you don't even exactly. have a place to stay. You exactly. have to couch surf. You don't and have too. the infrastructure, the social infrastructure to be able to get the help because of your transits, because of your identity. And, you know, y'all know, y'all know my history. That's that's something that I had to experience years ago and fight to change the, it in the city that I'm in right now. And we have. Um, but. It was so disgusting that they literally got over like a fat rat getting this money from the GoFundMe. But when he was alive, y'all wasn't even supporting him when he was alive. Exactly. 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 It annoyed the hell out of me. Uh, yeah. I mean, I am, like I said, I'm glad that it highlighted some of the challenges that folks deal with. And, you know, we've talked about on a, another episode, and I'm sure you've talked about it plenty of times around statistics, but around like, we know statistically now, economically, that black trans men take a L, right? In terms of your earned income, like folks are dealing with challenges. We have, like, I have not seen, like the level of instability, economic instability I see within the community when it comes to black trans men and black trans masculine people is very different than the level of economic instability that I saw as a black lesbian. Mm -hmm. Very different. It's night and day. That that invisibility and marginalization, it's like you're dealing with a lot of different margins. And uh, his situation definitely highlighted that. And to your point, in the midst of all that, he was still probably could not, he couldn't get the resources. And his family, who was not very supportive, mm -hmm. gets all this money in this very performative, hyper-performative moment to say that Black Lives Matter. So, yeah. all right, we hope that y'all enjoy pride. Make sure y'all get out and be with community. And even if you don't, if you're not the type of person and you're kind of antisocial, do something for yourself that shows that you are proud of who you are. Be unapologetic and love on yourself. Do some self-care. And yeah, that's we want you to do that. So happy pride. Hey. Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So, not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts, I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community and I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here so you're not only helping to sustain us you're helping to sustain other people in a community because I put my money where my mouth is you know that's just the kind of bitch I am community is fuck <laughs> 
So thank you. I really, really appreciate you. And if you have not become a patron, why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. All right. So my topic is, it's funny to me because it is, <laughs> this this happens every year in some kind of way. And, okay. um, and <laughs> <laughs> so recently Walmart, I think, um, trying to support community have oh, come up with um, two flavors of ice cream. One that is based in Juneteenth for the black folks. <laughs> and it's like a red velvet um, flavored um, ice cream that mm-hmm. is, you know, to commemorate <laughs> Juneteenth. And then they also have like a rainbow ice cream to commemorate pride. And when these came out, somebody went to the store, of course, and took pictures and they went viral on (laughs) on the Internet. Mm -hmm. And everybody responded either with jokes, either with um, (laughs) with anger, with frustration. And I wanted to hear your opinion about it. So the response to this has been this is the corporation's way of kind of doing what we ask. We need more diversity. We need to be more, vis- you know, more visible. We want you guys to support and do all these kind of things. And then another person is like, oh my God, y'all don't do anything for the community on a fiscal level, like really trying to give money to support these communities, whether it be LGBT, whether it be Black, you don't actually do anything to give them economic power, but you will quickly create products to (laughs) exploit us on a monetary level (laughs) without doing the other work. And so this is what makes this problematic where somebody on the surface level will be like, Oh my God, they're including us. They have this like a target. They have this whole section of pride shirts and pride bags and pride this. Yeah. So they can make money off the gay dollars, off the LGBT dollars. Of course they go do that. (laughs) And so, um, some people would think that's good on a surface level. And some people would be like, Oh, we see straight through this. So I wanted to see, first of all what y'all opinion is about these type of products coming out but also do you think that there is a right way to do this is there a right way to um create products for us without it being so obviously performative and this kind of performative allyship particularly around pride month because this is when everybody Mm -hmm. is doing their pride content oh me as an (laughs) activist every honey i'm booked from the last week of may all the way until the (laughs) end of june because everybody want to say oh my god we got to do some trans stuff some some lgbt stuff because it's pride we have to do that but throughout (laughs) the year we ain't booked like this (laughs) and so Um, so I want y'all to tell me what y'all think. Is this, is there a way to do this right? Or it's just not at all? Well, you know, I think, you know, I think the way to do it right is to pay the community members. You know what I'm saying? It's to pay people that are impacted by it. I will say the Juneteenth, I didn't see the Pride ice cream. The Juneteenth, I was like, this is wild. 
pride ice cream i don't necessarily even put i don't necessarily put it in the same category as the juneteenth i think the juneteenth piece is like a separate kind of wild because the pride like you to your point for pride this is a thing that's been happening for a long time corporations kind of you know doing what they're doing but um but yeah i mean to your point i think like the right i think they're a, a good way to approach it is to make sure that you're investing in these communities that you want to celebrate and so that walmart or whoever whatever corporation isn't just making money off of pride vodka pride this or whatever the fuck excuse me pride beer you know you know you know what are you doing with that money are you just making money off of us or are you going to turn up turn around and uh invest in the community or use a person from the community their brand of vodka their brand of ice cream their brand of whatever or there's a startup maybe we should invest in them and then they you know what i mean how, how are you improving the lives of, of of marginalized folks that you're supposed to celebrate mm, i think that's a great point because that would it have been a totally different it would have got a total different response if um if like Walmart has said, hey, this black owned brand that we're selling already in our in our stores, exactly. why don't we invest some money in them to kind of shift their packaging and sell um, their already created brand flavor and support this black business that that and we of course we're going to get money from it because it's in our store but there's a different it's a it's a certain level of care that that shows that you are mm. trying to um economically empower somebody in the community and there's a difference between that than you taking your own great value <laughs> great value brand. girl <laughs> great value <laughs> great value and creating your own brand and not doing that at all what is your opinion mia do we have the the stance to be picky about our allies like and how they represent um should we be picky about how our allies represent us i was also thinking like i don't know if i want to buy anything that's pride represented like mm -hmm. let me tell you wait i'm talking about food products because what if they because you y'all remember that person that was like licking open up the tops of stuff and licking and putting it back oh, up? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> it's somebody crazy that's gonna do something crazy to this lbgt sandwich this is and such a black conspiracy theory <laughs> <laughs> don't go yeah open it. i'm not eating no lbgt sandwiches they don't tell me what they're gonna do to it <laughs> no but um <laughs> Don't eat the um, gay sandwiches. <laughs> they go poison. <laughs> no LBGT ice cream. They'll probably lick the top and put it back in oh, no. just for the like no. Mm -mm. <laughs> so that's what that's the thing I think about. Um <laughs> Me and the type, um, me and the type, tell you not to go to Pride Parade because they it might be some bombs that's gonna blow us up. <laughs> no. No, no, I no, I actually will advocate for pride. It's so it's a beautiful experience. It, it really is. What I would what I would say though is if you're like doing the march, do not wear heels. I have oh like oh my goodness, I would imagine <laughs> when we were doing the um the pride parade. Um, we were I think we were in front of the marshal or something. Darling, hmm. do you remember that? Uh huh. After I had got through from walking, like my heels were bloody, so like no, I definitely would say no. What? Oh wow! Yeah, I was convicted, very convicted. But um, <laughs> yeah, that those are my thoughts. 
I th- what's I think the right that, way? What's the right what's the way? Right, the right way to do it? Uh, kind of. I mean, to be politically correct, something about what L- LJ uh, was saying. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna take money um, from the community, because that's basically what's gonna be buying the products, then uh, invest and help the communities that you're profiting from. Because I think it's a good marketing strategy, of course. But um, I do remember there a time there was a time where like they didn't have LBGT stuff. So like to even see it, us and like like some of my trans sisters or trans brothers be like models and pictured in front of the 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 windows of of michael kors and stuff and their pride gear and they're selling it it also gives me a sense of pride too so i'm kind of like on the fence but like can i really complain because we're being it's it's a sense of visibility so i guess that's where i I stand with it i i also want to talk about are we just mad at the big corporations because when 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 i go to events like pride events or conferences i see people who are not a part of our community being vendors and selling products to us to make money and we never like be like "Mm what are you doing we never be like that to them is and it's it's a small business so we're never like "Uh uh-uh you can't do that here when it's a small business we don't be tripping but when it's (laughs) <laughs> when yeah, it's yeah. a big corporation, we make a big deal about it. But I know tons of people who will, you know, cishet people who will come and sell the uh, rainbow bracelets, rainbow earrings at the conference because they know it's going to be a lot of gay people there that they can make money off of. Yeah. So yeah. what's the difference in them being opportunistic and Walmart being opportunistic? Well, yeah. I mean- capitalism go capitalism. And and if it's coming from a white person, a black person, it's going to capitalize and going to capitalize, baby. Because there was a time when it was beating you in your head because you didn't have three articles of clothes on from the gender. I forgot what 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 law was that, Diamond? Masquerade laws. The Mm -hmm. masquerade law, Mm -hmm. baby. Mm -hmm. And now we can see ourselves in stores and stuff. So it's like, eh. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I'm kind of, I'm a Libra, so I'm kind of, I'm like, I see this and that. So, like, on the one hand, if these folks are folks that are, like, allies to the community, there's a segment of folks, like, I think back to, like, the older prize I used to go to. You had LGBT vendors, but you also had, like, intentional allies. But, again, that was not today's level of money, corporate, whatever, whatever. But I also understand what you say, Diamond, in terms of folks who are like, uh, I'm just here to make this money. And I'm out. I'm not. I'm not gonna be with no little uh, rainbow on my business door. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is a safe place. So I, I, I think there is room for folks who are cisgender, heterosexual, who are like outside of this space. I'm supported, right? And like I make it known that I'm supportive, and I'm a supportive business, whatever. But I do think that's very different. I'm just saying, like, if you're not taking space from somebody else that's in the community, you make it, buddy. And you support the community and you hiring in the community or something let's take like it that. out of pride let's you know? take it out of pride me and you both lj have okay. seen you know oh yeah yeah selling right. dashikis and yeah. pan-african flag yeah. Yeah, and they yeah, don't yeah. do yeah. nothing for the community <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they yeah. don't do they don't they don't yeah. Yeah. they don't invest yeah. anything giving back yeah. to the black community yeah. but they right. will sell you a red green and black yeah, ring they'll yeah. sell you a red green and black t-shirt yeah, they'll sell you a black lives matter t-shirt yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they Every will not give it. any of that money back <laughs> to the community that right. is and that is just as capitalistic just as exploitive 
but yeah. we just don't really call that out in the same way. And mm. I and I can see how it is because because Walmart or Target or you know people who do that, y'all have the resources to get back community. Maybe yeah, these people don't. It might be a little different, and or we might give out. a little leeway. They've also blown out a lot of mom and pop shops. So it's just like, hey, depending oh, on where you live, true. you know, your only option of the store is Walmart, depending on where you stay in the country. Because you have pushed because these big corporations have came into yeah. the community and, and pushed out mom and pop stores. I think mm-hmm. that's a great point. But also, how are you going to be trying to act like you support community, but you underpaying your workers? By a lot. That too. <laughs> yeah. So you making yeah. all this money yeah. on us, but yeah. you are you got tons of workers that are complaining and striking and doing all this stuff because they're being underpaid. They don't yeah. have benefits. Don't they don't have yeah. anything, but you got all this resources of money to come up with products, but you can't pay mm-hmm. people a, a living living wage. That's yeah. crazy. That's I'll, making it hypocritical. That made me think about to your to that point, like you know, like a corporation like an Amazon, right? Who is seen as kind of they'll be like, Oh, we're so liberal and blah blah blah. We gotta Yes, if you work full time, but you don't let nobody work full time. <laughs> like, so it's like, right. you know what I mean? So you could be like, oh, we're so trans inclusive and, you know, we have these health care benefits for the trans community and da 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 da. But again, if you're like an evil, big old, you know, whatever exploitative uh, corporation, that don't matter because nobody's getting 40 hours. No one's getting 36. Okay. <laughs> like you're at like 35.2. That's what you're doing to all these people. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can. I, that's a real thing. <laughs> well, look, I'm all for um, more products that feature us. <laughs> Barbies, ice cream, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't care. But I want you to um, give money to actually empower, socioeconomically empower our yes. community. That is what makes a difference on if you are doing it right to me. If you are doing what you need to do to invest in the community to empower us, while selling these products, then I'm not going to be tripping. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be mad. I'm going to kind of, I'm going to be like, yeah, I support you. I get what you're doing. Thank you. What kind of programs are you creating to make sure people have jobs, make sure people have housing, make sure people have the things that food, water, clean water, um, food that they need. Like if you're doing programming with your money in that regards, then I'm not going to be mad about you bringing out some rainbow ice cream. (laughs) <laughs> I still don't trust it, but do your due diligence. <laughs> okay, you serious about that? You are serious about that? Listen, I had to change my DoorDash profile because I had the whole fist with the um, trans flag, and I said, "What if the these people make a stop and spit in my food because I'm wow. trans?" <laughs> let me let me go ahead and change it. I, I I could be paranoid, but I just don't trust people like that. That's real. That's legit. We black. <laughs> we we have a reason to not trust people. My subject is about the British doctor providing care um for over sixteen thousand trans um patients. Um sorry, sixteen hundred patients. He was um suspended from his job. Now, the reason why he was suspended was because GMC came and they um, they went over his credentials. They said he didn't have the credentials in order to um, provide care. And um, they specifically seen, I guess, some underage um, patients that he had. But the, the thing about it is he he was he was definitely qualified. 
Right. He was definitely qualified. But when they were growing over his credentials, they were leaving out certain things so they can um, so they can basically demonize him for giving um, mm. care to trans people. Mm. Specifically children, too. Partic- particularly trans children. So they were trying to demonize him and get him suspended. But the people who he worked wor- work for was like, um, actually, no, he actually has been doing this for 20 plus years. And y'all are just yeah. trying to be extra because y'all are in this battle against trans youth. And so... Right. Yeah. Well, specifically, he he was um, a hospital consultant for 23 years, and he he was an NHS doctor for 34 years. He um, specialized in specific things like uh, chronic medical conditions, surgery, pediatrics, endocrinology, and psychiatry. So he had his credentials. Um, he he said that he worked um this and this was his um his words quote unquote I have worked with patients of all ages throughout my career including looking after young um coins patients with um delayed puberty um latterly I have specialized in the field of transgender care an area which notoriously lacks enough doctors to treat the growing demand my question to you guys is especially with all the political things. Uh, we here in Texas, we know about um, the how they're targeting trans parents with the the laws here, saying that it's saying that it's child abuse, and then them going after a doctor who is um, helping trans people and and blaming it on him helping trans children, as, as this narrative has always been, um, I guess protect the kids is what they always give and when you think about like any um integration that people do not want to have it's always been the narrative protect the children but are we really worried about the kids is that the question like that's my question do you what do you think that the reason why um this is happening i think that once they find something that rallies their base when it comes to conservative or conservative right, once they find something that rallies their base, they kind of just grab it and by the horns and kind of shake it and throw whatever BS at the wall to see what sticks. <laughs> like so, and this time, the, uh, before it was the QAnon stuff, it's still that's still around too, but it's always something that they can throw out. Um, to see if they can get some kind of clicks and ratings based on it. And I think right now, the trans stuff, because of the sports stuff, because of the health stuff, this is something that they can really rally behind. Because they can't, it, remember, uh, 10 years ago, it was, we. they weren't even worried about trans people. They were worried about gay marriage. And so it was, that was the litmus test of, <laughs> of if you were progressive or if you were conservative like let me know what you feel about gay marriage where is your stance even presidents who were going after the presidency they had to answer that question remember everybody yeah, from sure. obama and everybody had to answer that question they had to answer it the right way then when they got elected they can switch up and say whatever they feel like their base w- w- will like them to say and so for me, I think now we are seeing this kind of this kind of um, um, piranha type of 
feeding frenzy whenever they come up with whatever little bit that they can come up with when they're talking about transness because the feds have said this is legal so we can't worry about gay marriage no more that's that they won that one now what can we do it is logical that the next thing is going to be the t do you see what I'm saying? The next mm -hmm. thing is going to be the T. And so, yeah, so let's talk about sports. Let's talk about the kids transitioning. You got high profile trans kids like Zia Wade. And so now these things, we can kind of see what we can get our base route up about. And that can push our narrative, that can push whatever we needed to push to get people to go to the polls to vote. And I think that these kind of, this kind of rhetoric pushed their ignorant base to go to the polls. Also, there's like a direct through line to a lot of the fringy kind of right wing stuff and a lot of the white nationalist stuff, because all of this, whether it's marriage, get marriage or marriage for gay people, whether it's abortion, whether it's this trans stuff, all of that is a voter suppression. No, 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 I'm saying those three things in particular, there's a very direct through line that's connected to this white stuff around, we need to make more white babies. All of these things deter to them because they're looking at whatever magical 20, whatever the, the white people are going to be, you know, 49.999% of the population, right? So that's connected to that. Because as we know, and I think we talked about with the abortion thing, that started off about the schools. That was about school desegregation. So it's connected to white supremacy? Yes, yeah, directly connected to white supremacy. And a lot of the fringe element of folks who are, you know, want to make sure there's a white Christian nation, da 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 that kind of energy. And a lot of that is not just here, it's also international. So I'm not surprised that, you know, you have that happening over there. Like we're de definitely, I think it's connected to this fringy kind of authoritarian fascist white nationalism stuff. And it has been for a long time, it's just more visible, you know? And I think because there's more visibility of trans folks and, you know, social media, changes everything. You can get trolls and all that other kind of stuff in the mix that we've been experiencing. I think all of that's, I think that's a big element of it as well. Mm. And, you know, when it comes to um, children, that is a hot button topic. First of all, because people want on both sides, because people, when you start talking about making rules about how people govern their children, there has already been cases that has established that parents have the right in privacy to be able to teach their children the a language that they wanted to teach them. All, all the medical stuff about your children is between you and your, your doctor and you. There's already been a legal fight that, that that has been battled in that frontier. So when you get to trying to tell people how they um, can raise their children, what they can do to their children, that get people riled up. <laughs> yeah. And on the opposite side, when you start doing things that you as a parent agree with, but other parents don't agree with when it comes to children, those parents are like, oh, no, this is not right. This is mm -hmm. not what you should not be doing this to children, blah, 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 blah. So those are two camps where you think you can butt in other people's business about how you how you support their children, how this parent support their children. But you can't as long as they're not being um harmed abused and that's why they needed to say this is abuse you get what i'm saying because if you if you take that out then you just it's just a parent supporting their child but if you say that the trans care the doctors that doctors the medical professionals has said right. is the right way to go when it comes to trans people if you make that care abusive 
then that's going to get your base round up. That's going to get the people like, yeah, that's abusive. Oh, they weren't even thinking about that. <laughs> but but because these politicians are putting that on a national level, on a state level, then people on the local level can be like, see, and we've had trans parents, people who have trans children, the parents of trans children. We have had them testify and say and go We when we go to the I, during the last session, there was like 75 anti-trans bills and we were going up to um, up to uh, um, Austin back to back to back and parents were testifying saying literally my neighbors are coming to me out of the woodworks when they were just being quiet but now that you have said this they're coming to me saying see i knew it was wrong for you to be doing your children like that wow i knew it was wrong for you to be um getting these kids on hormones and letting them dress like a girl you're going to be trying to get them a sex change too soon literally parents that never would have said anything to them before but now their neighbors are harassing them yeah when they're dropping their children off at school they're they're bringing up these conversations so you are adding to the culture of negative negativity not only to trans people but to the parents who support them and we know statistically research and and psychologically that our support system is one of the most integral and important things to us survival to our survival to our lowering the rates of suicide suicide ideation all the things that comes with um, lowering the harms of our people, lowering the harms of um, trans people is connected to the community and the support that we have. So when you attack our support system, you know you are doing harm to us, especially if you are youth. Absolutely. So intentional. We, we, yes. I feel like people have always created loopholes in order to, to do what they want to do to certain groups of people. This just reminds me of like how folks came after parents who were gay. And it's yeah. a very similar kind of uh, thing where it's like, oh, this is bad for the kids. If you have two gay parents, it's going to mess the kids up and all this kind of stuff and people going to court and all this, you know, it just is, you know, adoption for parents who are gay. It just um, it's, 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 it's a similar playbook in terms of it's a threat for these children. Mm. <laughs> that was a time I, I remember when I first went to the doctor and I I asked them, I went to a, um, a Methodist a hospital and in Waco, Texas. And I asked them to prescribe me hormones and I waited for the doctor to come in and everything. I'm, I'm excited. Cause I'm like, I'm doing everything the right way. And he told me that he couldn't, he couldn't give it to me. He couldn't prescribe me hormones because it was against his religious beliefs. And I gagged <laughs> at that because I was like, you could actually do this as somebody that's your, this is your job. Right. How can you but yeah, I I think that um I think that that is horrible for anybody to to not have access to deny people because even even though you may think that you have your um your head in the right place, so some some people you may be actually hurting people who actually need this service. Some mm-hmm. people actually consider um, transitioning mm-hmm. life or death. There are right. some people who have euphoria because they have been able to transition and the the representation of people who de de transition is very 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 low right and and i think a lot of people um make this claim as oh children they just don't understand or they um you know you might you this might just be a phase now granted people have de transition yes but one percent of the one percent 
Right. Yes. <laughs> right. One percent of the one percent of yes. the population. Yeah. Yeah. And so yes. I, I know that from my experience and from my my conversations with other trans individuals, that it always has been something that is life changing for them. In a yep. positive way. In a very, very positive way. Yeah. Because we live in a binary society. When I say a binary society, I'm saying like a heteronormative society where a woman's supposed to look like this and a woman, a man's supposed to look, look and dress and act this certain type of way. And when you don't fit those standards, there are social consequences. And I think that denying people access to be able to um, fit in society the way they want to or, or feel or feel beautiful about themselves is just horrible. And then it's a slippery slope. When you give a person permission to deny people's health, how far yep. does that go? When we when we think right. about the case back in like 1995, Tyra Hunter, car accident, the right. um, the EMTs, when they cut her claws off, they found when she, she had gotten a car accident, when they cut her claws off, they found out that she was a trans woman and the EMTs stopped working on her. Right. Stopped. And said, oh, my God, this is a man. And everybody who was watching around her was like, who cares? Do your job. What are you doing? And literally this lady died because this EMT would not work on her when you literally your job (laughs) is to help people in an emergency. People does because she's trans not make her people. <laughs> and so right. she literally dies because you let her die because you didn't want to work on her. You want to make jokes like you Dave Chappelle against trans people. And so this is what I'm talking about. It's a slippery slope when you try to let people who who job is to help people yeah. out of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, oath, you know, yeah, yeah, you got a Hippocratic oath. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think it's important. Shout out to the the doctors that are still dedicated to giving trans people their care, dedicated to, um, you know, supporting the parents who have trans youth. Thank you for your work. I am so um, proud of humanity when I see people who, um, you know, who don't get scared because they're people who have resigned from their positions because of their fear of the backlash of them. um, wow. servicing trans people because of what has happened. There's literally people that I've talked to. I can't talk. I can't do it like they, cause I don't want to lose my job. I'm proud of the people who That's stand wild. up against that. And I'm proud of the people who, um, you know, says, no, this is, this is what I believe in. This is what I care about. And you are not going to bully me into not doing what I think is right for these trans children and their parents. So shout out to the doctors that, st- that step up and do the things that they're supposed to do. And thank you, Mia, for bringing this up to the table. Mia, it's, it's, you, you were saying um, when you say I can't do something because of the because of your religion, I can't, I can't provide you this service because of you know your religion. Um, the story that the the what I'm bringing to the table today is a story about the Church of Prismatic Light out in Oklahoma, um, and to that point. They started this church um, because underneath it, you technically in Oklahoma, you can't dis- discriminate based on religion. And uh, there was a mom of a trans uh, kid and her son was like, hey, I'm seeing this stuff happening in Texas. And we got this new law in Oklahoma that make, that says I have to go to the bathroom of uh, the sex that I was assigned at birth that correlates to gender, how they say it is. 
and I either have to go to that bathroom or to a single restroom. And so they were freaking out and talking to this, their mom. This, LJ, this just happened? Yeah, this is recent. Yep. And so, and this is in Oklahoma. And so um, his mom, in response to that, you know, decided to uh, start a church because she said, you know what? If that's how we're going to play this, that's how we're going to play this then. <laughs> so, because you can't discriminate, discriminate against the church. And so um, she said one of the pillars of the uh, founding fathers, you know, was separation of church and state. But, you know, if that's how we're going to get down in Oklahoma, that's how we're going to get down. And um, actually, I think it was the laws in Alabama that he brought up because he was like, that's going to prevent me from getting my testosterone med medication. He's scared that that's going to be passing in, uh, in Oklahoma. And um, so she's gotten together with some folks and they have started uh, the, the Church of Prismatic Light. Um, she said, my, child, my child's not the only one feeling that way. She said, what if we had a religion that celebrated transitioning, celebrated reproductive rights, that said that it was okay to marry the person that you love regardless of sex or gender. Um, and so she started a, a social media page. They got high priestess. Uh, they say they don't have a, necessarily have a, a deity, but you can, you know, be real and be yourself, um, you know? And so they're in the process of getting uh, brick and mortar. They're also in the process of getting taxes and status. And I just thought it was an interesting way to combat, you know, some of the BS into like, it's just like right on time, you know, what you're saying about this situation of you had this experience of being denied based on your religion and they're having that issue in Oklahoma. And this is the first time I've ever heard of so it's, folks it was based on their religion. Right. In Oklahoma, they can't discriminate based on religion, but they're passing all these laws to try to uh, stop trans kids from getting health care. They're doing similar stuff or, you know, mess with folks, you know, with sports and participate, all that kind of stuff, you know, not letting these children be children. And um, I just never heard of that approach to being like, well, I guess we're going to start. a. <laughs> OK, OK. You can't say nothing because of my. OK, so you're going to have to. Um, make sure that I get what I need based on my religion too, right? Which is just a whole different, that's a, just turning the whole thing on its head. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was interesting, a different approach and wondering what you two think about that. Um, you know, like, you know, I think it's cool, but I also was like, oh, you know, religion is religion. <laughs> it's a little, ooh, <laughs> I'm making a commitment to something. It sounds like um but you know they say they don't have a deity so i'm assuming you can do whatever you need to do outside of that space um but yeah what do y'all how do y'all feel about that like you know do you think that's something that particularly being i've only lived in purple states and blue states but being in a deep red state do you think that's something that y'all could eat end up doing would you see that as something that could happen in texas too especially you mia as a christian i would like to hear what you think about that that um that approach to use religion to kind of combat it. Why specifically me? No, because you identify as a Christian. And I think uh -huh. as we it's I think it's beautiful to see somebody um use religion as a tool to combat against anti-trans politics. And so I would feel like you would be somebody who would be invested in that kind of approach. Or no? <laughs> what I invested in it. I mean, I, this is the first time I've ever heard of it. So, like, um, using religion to combat 
transphobia, the, just the, the things that we go through in life and like a safe haven for people to come to if they need help and stuff to eat. And I think that is beautiful. It sounds like it's just um, a, um, a safe haven that welcomes all religions and doesn't discriminate. And it's a place that, that will help queer people. And I think that's beautiful in general. I, as far as like combating spiritually, I would like to know what that looks like because I'm not sure like how do you do that if you have like you don't have a deity and you have um different people with different religions I'm I'm guessing um would it be like you have different advisors come to them and talk about their religion and how they can battle it individually I don't know I don't know I I, I don't know what that looks like but it sounds very positive and productive I think it's interesting because I think it's time that people are creative and think outside the box in their strategy. The same old um, way to do things when it comes to organizing, when it comes how to get people to the polls. Think about how Obama got elected. He really went after young people. Like we, there was like a flood of young people who were invested in voting, who were happy about the political process. And we <laughs> haven't seen a yeah. voter turnout since then in the same kind of way, because people haven't been excited about voting for any candidate. <laughs> so I think that's a perfect example. How can we think outside the box and how we fight against this stuff, how we rally? I am tired of people talking about reaching across the aisle. How can we, uh, our aisle is full enough. <laughs> we can, if we can get people <laughs> What do you mean polls, by that, Diamond? Like reaching across the aisle? You like, know, a lot of times people try to get us to work with, you know, people who are against us. Why do we try to see their side? Why do mm -hmm. we try to, um, what's the compromise? Sometimes you can't compromise with people. Sometimes they're so against you that you there's no compromising. Only working, so, the compromise only work in one way, mostly. Yes. Well, yeah. when, we, when we're having a conversation with people with different perspectives, especially people who don't agree with us, it's a lot of people who have ignorant, uh, ignorant reasons why they don't like trans people or why they don't <coughs> like queer people. And so, like, in those spaces, when we're having those conversations, I think that, you know, there's a time where you can, like, give people the benefit of the doubt as long as they're being respectful you know, I, I think that's where it starts. Like, yeah, I don't. Like, I don't. I think that's a waste of time. I think that, you know, to be honest, I think that's nice of you to think like that. I think if you have the patience to work with people and if, if, if they are literally on the fence, like somebody on the fence you can work with because, you know, they're open to new ideas. But if it's somebody, I'm not going to go to the Klan rally <laughs> to talk to people. This is something to talk to people about racism. I'm not going to go I mean, there because they're not on the fence. There was that one black guy. I know y'all seen the Derek documentary. Him and the clan, <laughs> um, the chief clan person became good girlfriends. And then you had that one, that one lady. Um, <laughs> what's her name? Cookie. Oh, that's my favorite actress off of. Um, Taraji P. Henson. Taraji P. Henson. Um, she she played him in a, a movie where. And um, at water with that white man that she got cool with in um i can't remember the state that they were in but she got cool with that white man and they became friends lifelong friends well That's not even just romanticizing that, that well i'm not trying to romanticize i'm saying that like they were able to integrate schools and because of it so because he was on I the mean, fence or do you think so do you really he was the he was the leader of the KKK. he was on the fence 
I think so. If he was able to move. Right. Right. There are some I, people who I, are not I, able to Jen, move. I wasn't there. I'm just saying, I think that we we can have tough conversations with people we don't agree with as long as it's respectful. Yeah. And I think people like you should exist. I think that that is amazing. I, <laughs> I think you I, should yeah. do that. I, mean, I think yeah. you are great yeah. for that. Me, I'm not. I'm going to try to be on my side and bolster my side. How can I get more people on my, not more people from that side over here, but more mm. on people on who are already over here to the polls? How can I inspire them to get to voting? Because that's the problem, I think. Because we there's so, so many young people that don't even vote that are on our side. Do you see what I'm saying? How can I get people who are already over here, who already believe in trans rights, who already believe that Black Lives Matter, how can I get them inspired in the democratic process? How can I get, get them inspired in the organizing process? Not necessarily just voting, but in the process of helping us on this side and, and bolstering the community. How can I work with the community that I already have to get more people? Not more, I'm not saying more people from the bad side. <laughs> I'm talking about more people to be more active. How can I galvanize more people into action? And so what that case reminds me of is somebody thinking outside the box of the norm, the normal strategy. And she's just going through the religious aspect. But I think it's other ways that we can think outside the box to be able to think of different strategies for us to actually get people to be galvanized to help. Um, any kind of social movement, whether whatever movement they care about, because I think there's a lot of silos. We talk about trans rights. We talk about reproductive justice with abortion. We talk about voter suppression. All of us have investments in those issues. Those are trans issues. Though all of these are trans issues. All of these are black issues. All of these are um, minority issues. All of these are women issues. Do you see what I'm saying? Like all of these things is issues that we all care about. How can we focus our energy and get everybody to work out at the same time. And I feel like that is more productive and that is bet a better return on investment than going over to try to get, um, what's her name? Marjorie Green or, <laughs> or Ted Cruz. Yeah. Or, you get what I'm saying? We can't deal with yeah. them. They, they lost in the sauce of the Trump juice. We can't deal with them. We got to come. We got to deal with the people who are at least let's deal with the moderate Democrats. You know, they you know, they don't really do nothing. But at least we can get them <laughs> to come uh, over to a more, I mean, a more progressive side. I, I, I hear that. I, I, you know, being a Libra, I also hear you, Mia. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Y'all so nice. You know, Y'all so nice. You know, I'm going to work but, with the conservatives. But I will. I will say, I will say. I'm, well, I wouldn't, I'm not specifically want to work with the conservatives. I just, I'm, I want to see if like there, maybe like we can have tough conversations and get to some areas where we see the same thing. Cause I think with education, it may help, but I'm yeah. not invested in like, Talking to somebody who's going to be transphobic and like call me a man the whole time and and tell me to detransition. No, I'm not invested in those kind of conversations. Like I'm invested in people who actually, like you said, Diamond, want to listen, want to learn because that's a different. Some people that's a different type of conversation because a lot most of the time when people want to talk to people um, that don't agree with them, they're just invested and. Um, replying they don't care mm -hmm. to hear what you have to say mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yo um 
<laughs> to your point, Mia, like and Diamond, like a special kind of thing. Like I, I have been in situations where I facilitated conversations, particularly amongst black people, cis black people or cis black gay people around trans things. And those are some hard conversations and not everybody is cut out to like have the patience to be like, you know what I mean? Because I feel you, right? Like we'll get the progress forward in those conversations because folks are just ignorant too, right? But like, it, yeah, it definitely, it, you know, it takes a special kind of something, you know, that we got, friend. <laughs> to put up with that level of ignorance right. and, and just kind of, you know, and kind of move those conversations forward. But I, I do think there's a place for some of these conversations. But you ain't gonna raise my blood pressure. I recently, <laughs> y'all know, y'all know I was estranged from my brother mm. and he was transphobic. He didn't even want to use my new name. He didn't want to use the right pronouns. I was estranged from him for 12 years. And when my mom passed recently from a fentanyl poisoning in 22, we was forced to deal with her death and her services. So we were forced to actually come together. And in that moment, he apologized and he was able, and now we are able to have normal conversations because he's using, he's doing the basic that I needed him to do to have the patience to talk to him about some of the issues. So yesterday, um, yeah. not yesterday, um, last week we were talking and we had an amazing one-on-one, one-on-one conversation. It wasn't some deep conversation, but because he's just coming into his education, as you call it, Mia, which is true, it is education. Because he's just coming into it, there are going to be some stuff that in my mind, I'm like, this is so obvious, but it is so new to his understanding that, yes, I can have the conversation with him now because he is not calling me a him. He's not calling me a he. He's not calling me my own name. He's literally trying to be respectful. So when you're trying to be respectful and doing what I asked you to do, then I can have more patience to teach you and educate you. And, and, and especially when you're open to what I'm trying to learn, if you're trying to tell me the answers, you can't ask a question and then I give you the answer. You try to tell me some <laughs> other answer. <laughs> if you open to the education and I'm and I'm giving you and it's not me saying that you got to believe everything I'm saying, but literally I can lead you down the direction of at being educated about, you know, the basics about us. And so if you're open to do that, yes, I'm willing to do that with a person that I care about, that I that I'm invested in, want them to be educated. I am not willing to do that to a person who literally is investing in our harm, who is literally writing legislation to harm us, who is literally um, adding to the negativity of our culture that makes, that leads to our abuse, that leads to our deaths, that leads to our um, disenfranchisement. I am not invested in dealing with people like that. If you're open to learn and to respect, yes, I'll deal with you on that level, but I'm not dealing with you. If you, if you super, super lost in the sauce, I'm not dealing with that. At all. I think it's a waste of time and I think it's not a great return on investment. I completely agree. Well, um, I I thank you guys for both your opinions on the topic. I think that um I think that you should be able to do what you want with your children as long as it's not abusive. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Gimme, gimme, gimme euphoria, more than peace of mind. It's the joy in space to change the tide. Gimme, gimme, gimme euphoria, more than peace of mind. It's the joy in space to change the tide. Gimme, gimme, gimme you a feeling and the high can never come down. All right, so.
what we do every week now. <laughs> I want y'all to tell me at the end of the show, because, you know, we talk about heavy topics. So we want to do end the show always on a positive note. So I want y'all to tell me what is bringing y'all euphoria this week. What is one thing that is making y'all feel joyful and happy? Because, you know, transness is usually centering gender dysphoria. I want to center euphoria on the end of our show every week so tell me what y'all have been feeling what's been giving y'all the joys and the giggles and the love and the laughter tell me what's bringing y'all euphoria this week that what's been giving me a lot of euphoria is just walking i've been walking a lot for the last couple years and uh you know people you ever heard of people say runners high you ever heard that phrase Mm -hmm. like I, i like this week i started to feel like walkers high like I just be in the zone and it, and it, and it just, it, it's, it's good for my mental health. It's good physically for my health. Um, and you know, I'm like, Ooh, you know, I've been doing it for a minute. Like, you know, my phone be like, Oh girl, now you're averaging uh, about two and a half miles a day. Oh girl, what? I didn't know that. You know what I mean? Cause it's been, and I've been doing it for a couple of years now, but you know, initially I could, I couldn't walk that far. I just get really tired. And, uh, but just to feel my body kind of responding and just like, just feeling my, in, in my body in a way that I haven't um, in a very long time, probably since I transitioned, since I started to medically transition rather. And um, yeah, like that's been giving me euphoria. It's just, and my body requested, my body's like, oh girl, you can take a walk for that. You gotta go walk, you know? Uh, you gotta go do what you gotta do, move that body, it feels good. And I have a hernia, so I can't really lift things and all that kind of stuff. So it just helps me to keep my body moving and also clear my head. Sometimes I listen to my podcast, of course, and to my little music. And sometimes I just listen to the, the birds and, you know, what's going on outside. But it definitely uh, has bring, been, been bringing me a lot of joy and euphoria this week. And I literally had a moment where I was like, oh, body, yada, 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 keep my little walking, Come walking. On. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's what's bringing me euphoria is just getting into that, into that quote unquote walker's high, I guess, and just being in the zone. Peaceful. Mm, Peace of mind. Peace of mind. Walking. <laughs> what about you, Mia? Um, well, congrats to that. Congrats on the new journey. <laughs> okay, you're welcome. Um, well, um, today I went to um Jay. You remember Jay? Um, she was on the podcast before. Mm. Um, she she's actually um having a baby, and she had a gender review um revealed today, and I just. I thought it was so dope because this is the first time I ever went to a trans person's ba- a baby shower or a gender reveal. Mm. So it was like this. I'm like, this is like the, I was telling my boyfriend, I was like, this is like a unicorn having birth, giving birth. Like there's no, <laughs> this is a once in a lifetime type of, like this is happening every day. Like I yeah. gotta be there. And so like I was there, it was black as fuck. I met everybody. It was chill. She is, she's having a girl. She's super excited about it. So wow. I, I that, that was some, something that was really beautiful to me. Just um, being in the presence of positivity and seeing this beautiful black trans woman started her family and just seeing how happy she was. I'm, I'm that gave me euphoria. So that was my, mm. my euphoria for the week. Mm. For me, yeah. I have been re-watching Game of Thrones and I want to shout out because y'all know <laughs> my dream is to play an evil villain. I want to shout out to Cersei. <laughs> Cersei is bringing me joy. <laughs> who, who, is that? who is that? Cersei who is, that? is I, I'm not a Game of Thrones. I don't know nothing about God. 
she's like um she's like the queen queen mother she's okay. like the villain of the show one of the villains of the show she is but to me she's not no villain she just really loyal to her family and willing to do whatever <laughs> she got to do okay. she gotta do to keep her family on top and she's one of my favorite characters people hate cersei because she's the villain but i loved her and so I'm re-watching it, re-falling in love with Cer- Cersei and re-falling in love with Brianna Tarth because she's tall, cute, and kicking the dude's butts. I love that. Um, and, you know, Tyrion, you know, he get on my nerves sometimes, but I'm re-falling in love with him too. So game of, re-watching Game of Thrones, and you know it's long as hell, but, <laughs> but I'm re-watching it, but it's bringing me joy to re-watch it, and I feel so excited to get back into it and it feels like i'm watching it over again so that's what's bringing me joy and we want to know what is bringing y'all joy so hashtag march's plate and let us know what what's making y'all feel good this week and happy pride be safe yes yes be safe thank you so much yeah um thank y'all so much for listening and we will be back next week and yeah have a great day Happy <laughs> well, that's it. Thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's Plate. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We will be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamondstylz at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye bye. You gonna say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, y'all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Every little-